This week, that podcast stays up all night. We're feeling a little frisky. But that might just be the special sauce. It's fast food on That Podcast Stays Up All Night. folks and welcome to that podcast stays up all night where we always enjoy a good rate burger i'm head chef josh and my Just culinary fun. assistants tonight are maitre d cody and horny busboy aura say hello gracies <laughs> hey you're gonna eat that <laughs> oh man can you, can you slide me another uh a burger bun sauce no condiment burger. <laughs> Just slide the sausage between the buns. <laughs> oh, now I get it. The meat between the buns. That's the fun of the movie. That's no. That's that's in the future when we do hamburger the motion picture. Oh yes. Uh, so uh, this is that podcast stays up all night, where we review the movies of USA Up All Night. Uh, and, and try to restrain our overwhelming desire for uh, Jim Varney. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to be doing the classic comedy, Fast Food. Uh, so, Aura, how about you give us that compressed chicken nugget of joy that we call the elevator pitch? Well, let me tell you what this thing's about. That this is what the, ele- the premise of the elevator pitch <laughs> indeed. I needed to wait for my phone to light back up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, God, don't let it. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. <laughs> Sorry, I, you, I didn't know what like to say. <laughs> well, Josh, let me tell you what this thing's about. All right, it's two enterprising rapists that team up with a young gas station owner and uh, and some unscrupulous lab assistants to sell burgers and sexual assault to coeds. They they are opposed by Tracy Lords and Ernest of all people. <laughs> Fast food is a boob comedy, much in the spirit of Porky's, a genre that was starting to die a slow death by 1989 when this film was released. It did little to revitalize the style, uh, quite possibly because there's not really any tits in it. (laughs) Uh, Director Michael Simpson had a history of work in horror and television comedy and had previously worked with some of the stars of this film, as we will get to in the trivia section. Uh... Stars with giant fucking scare quotes around it. Oh, sure. Fast food appears to have been his only entry in the boob comedy subgenre. So, uh, what did you guys expect going into this movie? Knowing it, I believe I introduced it to you guys as uh, <laughs> a weird rape comedy with uh, Tracy Lords and Ernest. That <laughs> might have been how I, I, I pitched it. Yeah. Uh, I'll start with how I did. Uh, I actually watched this comedy. I don't know if I watched it when I was a kid. I don't remember it from when I was young and watching Up All Night. But I actually watched this film because I watched a different film called The Visitor. (laughs) Um, If you've ever watched The Visitor, it's a weird Italian omen knockoff uh, that's... that was uh, picked back up by Alamo Drafthouse and is pretty renowned for being a truly fucking bizarre piece of cinema. 
Uh, one of the most exceptional things in it is the, the little evil girl in it. Uh, whereas Damien in The Omen is kind of, you know, doesn't say much, and he's like this creepy, stoic kid. Uh, she's constantly fucking mouthing off to people. <laughs> uh, and constantly calling, like, nuns dickheads and shit like that. Uh, Aura I read knows, that comic. Yeah. Aura knows from our experience working together that I, I love children that are swearing. Yes. Uh, I will also attest to that. That is also one of my favorite things. Yeah, it's a trope that I really liked. So I looked up to see if the creepy little girl, who I thought was actually pretty funny, uh, was in other things. As an adult, she had a bit part in this movie. Hmm. And uh, also looking at it, I was like, wait a minute, Tracy Lords and fucking Jim Varney are in this movie? Uh, so I Sold! <laughs> yeah, so I looked up and watched the movie, and it wasn't very... Well, we'll, we'll get to our reactions. Sure. Later. <laughs> but so that's where I first encountered this. And then later when I saw that it was on a ball, Ernest, I was like, this is... This is a weird one, and it needs to be highlighted for its weirdness. Ernest is Ernest, and Tracy Lords is Tracy Lords. The rest of the movie is uh, bad. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, there he is. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, in, initial opinions, like, I, I definitely, just in the movies we've seen so far, if I, if I recognize a name immediately just for the name, I think, okay, they probably have a grand total of 20 seconds of screen time. So I was absolutely not disappointed with the amount of Ernest that's in the movie like that was that was absolutely perfect and he truly does just like nail every single scene that he's in he he plays the major antagonist Wrangler Bob and gets a fair amount of screen time yeah the uh my first reaction to this movie so the uh I don't remember seeing this one in the initial up all night run I would be curious if it was earlier in the run because those are the ones I remember less than the, than the sort of the newer ones but well the film came out in 89 and that was the same year that up all night started so it was probably a year or two in at least yeah that was so, also what I wondered about the like release because this is because what cheerleader beach party is like 78 this is 20 yes. years after that point yes yeah. <laughs> you can see how the subgenre has changed so uh, so so I didn't remember seeing this one in the initial run so the first Effectively, the first time I saw it was the first time we watched it for this show. Um, and I I had it on in the background, like as a background movie. But the plot doesn't lend itself to, to really allowing for that because of the complicated machinations that go on between, like, Ernest trying to buy the gas station and then the gas station girl, like... Being like, well, it's fine if you set up a restaurant because this guy sucks, you know? <laughs> Not knowing that the guys she's teamed up with suck, too. Like, just in different ways, you know? And I mean, for as simple as the plot is to pitch... Sure. Like, and it is a very simple... Like, if you want to explain the plot of it, the plot of it is, like, some scheming people decide to, to make money at a fast food joint by using an aphrodisiac in the special sauce, right? Yeah. That's, that's, your, that's your quick version. Uh... This film takes fucking forever to get to it. And, and even that, as condensed as that idea is, is not fully the thing. Because only one character is aware that their success is because yeah, they're putting uh, this aphrodisiac in the sauce. So this, uh, so yeah. a single sociopath decides to make money. By and putting it, yeah, and it takes over half of the movie to get to even that point. So it, I mean, this movie ends up being like... Like two parts of Van Wilder, one part waiting. You know, like <laughs> uh, kind of a lot of waiting. Uh, maybe a little bit more. I, I, I mean, I, as in, <laughs> oh, when is this oh, literal waiting? 
when, oh, is, this, like, when is the film gonna start? I was like, I was like, well, It'll no, play, right? Yeah, because uh, I mean, we we watched it a little bit last night, uh, and uh, I remember, God, what, thirty minutes in. It's still. I mean, they still hadn't even built the restaurant yet. Yeah, yeah they're still laying pipe. Like, and and at that point, my wife was like, "I need to go home and go to bed." <laughs> like, so I was like, "Oh, they'll get to the good part soon, baby." Like, yeah, we were. You know, we'll go behind the scenes. We were at a party last night with uh, all of us, and we were watching the film there uh, with some people. And I decided that because it was after most people had left. Uh, and I was like, well, I already watched this once earlier today uh, to prepare for this podcast. I'm going to watch until the scene, the, the, the scene where they deploy the sauce in the wild for the first time. Sure. And then that'll be pretty early in the film. I'll, I'll leave around then. Uh, that's, I didn't realize that's like 45, 50 fucking minutes into the film. Yeah, you left, you left after me. Cause, yes. Yeah, I, <laughs> I had to go after the scene where uh, Ernest is writing the mechanical bull. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the, absolutely the highlight of the movie. Definitely. There, every every time Jim Varney is on screen is better than every other moment in the movie. <laughs> so we got to the point like after Josh had left, we got like me and the people that were still up watching it got to the point near the Would end. Would you say up all night? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh get we get to the point where uh it seems like it's like the the climax or the falling action, okay. everything is falling apart for the character, so to speak, and uh, characters in the movie actually call the asshole character an asshole, and so... Which is refreshing for a movie of this It kind. is refreshing, and we all knew immediately that we're like, okay, how much time can possibly be left in this movie for this character to redeem himself and, you know, and save the day, ultimately? And I think we looked, and it was 18 minutes left in the movie at that point in time, and even then, in his redeeming scenes, not only does he gaslight the woman he's been gaslighting the whole movie, but he literally puts his hand on her face and physically sits her back down as he interrupts her <laughs> to prove that he's a selfless guy. Yeah, after presenting himself as a professional with credentials he doesn't have, and then and then revealing information about the major plot point that is like through the, through the Doctor character, which is completely incongruous and <laughs> Obviously designed to somehow make you be like, oh, I guess it isn't that bad. Although it totally is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's we'll get we'll get to all of that when we get through the, the the plot synopsis. But oh my god, right? This is and or and I talked about this a bit too outside of this. Uh, the main character in this film is irredeemable. Oh yeah, <laughs> like haircut alone. And the film comes close to recognizing this, but never. It, it wants to let him off at the a bit at the end, and that's. I think I think they okay. counted on the fact that maybe the actor would portray these traits in a more lovable manner, but he definitely doesn't come off that way. No, he it's, is it's a real asshole. Yeah, it's very run of the mill asshole. Like every, everybody knows five people off the top of their heads that are exactly like this guy. The leads in this film are so unappealing. I, I know, I know of one right now. Oh, well, you can't see in the podcast, but me and Aura are making eye contact <laughs> and leg contact. Um, <laughs> yeah. that's because of your couch <laughs> in your dingy apartment. Your dingy couch. How the, no. how the hell did he know that the, the all couch, that, the apartment the was dingy? That's been retconned out. Oh, sorry, <laughs> <Never> <laughs> luxurious <mind>. apartment. Um. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll bring some, like, silverware to, like, clatter. <laughs> Is that fun? Another, to... another inside joke for those who followed us <laughs> from a previous podcast. Yep. <laughs> I was going to make a point, and I can't remember it. Uh, Redeeming the character. Oh. No, I don't fucking five assholes. <laughs> you already know. I was going to talk about their performances. Oh, like, right. The main character was clearly cast because he was like they were like in the audition, like be an asshole, and he was an asshole. And then they were like, okay, You're really now, good at that. I played this with range, and he's just like, oh no, I'm just I got the asshole thing, and my face <laughs> stuck that way. Uh, uh, to, you know, and to me, he, he looks like a young John Stamos. He does, mm-hmm. and he it's looks very much like off brand. He looks like the Gobot John Stamos. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like the movie is peppered with actual people that you do recognize from from other things. Yes. And lots of other people who, if you squint, also look like they are from other things. So it kind of like bait and switches you in that sense where you're like, oh, yeah. isn't this that guy? No, it's definitely not. Yeah, the supporting cast beyond the big two that we mentioned has a lot of character actors who've done a lot of TV work and such. Mm-hmm. Uh and the few people who whose features look kind of familiar, even though yeah. you don't think they are, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the other guy, like his his main his friend, like the main character's friend, Drew, uh, is like a more forgettable Dave Coulier. Yes, yes. he looks like Tim just... Heidecker's dad. He's so boring. You can't keep him in your brain. Like, you forget he's in the fucking movie half the time. Uh, the female lead, uh, she's right to be angry at Augie, the main character, quite a lot. But she just comes off like kind of a bitch most of the time. Well, it, even... So, on that note, I was thinking about this, too. Why, like, she is definitely in the right for the entirety of the movie. But you never, ever really sympathize with her in any way, shape, or form. And... Like, in the montage scene, they show, like, the flashes of her maybe, like, having feelings for the asshole character again. Yeah. And then she even says this, like, multiple times. So you could almost argue, I would never go so far to say that she was, like, leading his character on. But it definitely gives this, like, what the fuck, make up your mind sort of vibe from her. She does need to shit or get off the pot as far as pushing (laughs) this asshole out of her life. She comes off... Oh, that was beautiful, Josh. (laughs) She comes off very shrill. Um, and she does, like, she plays the... She's supposed to be conflicted with, with how she's relating to this guy. Like, she's, like, obviously she's reluctantly in love with him. It's sort of the, the god-awful life, 80s life lesson that you're supposed to be getting <laughs> out of this film that will fuck you up for life. Thanks, say anything. I, I thought that kind of shit was romantic. Um, <laughs> so... They, they play that by having her be... She's not good at being what they would... In, in anime, they call it sundare, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the female character who's, uh, who's a bitch because right. she really wants to bone the dude. Right. Right? That's, that's an archetype. It's like that. Is this, is this Findom stuff? Is this... <laughs> it's, it's entirely separate from Findom. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Findom costs extra. Or... <laughs> sorry, I, I, was, I was mixing it up with some other stuff. Sorry. <laughs> So that's that's a it's a big anime archetype, uh, often a very annoying one. Mm-hmm. It's um, just like it's like the female inverse of like male reverse psychology of like I'll pull on her pigtails and she'll like me. Yeah, well, it's like what your mom would always tell you when you were in grade school and a girl would pick on you, and your mom would be like, "That's just because she likes you." Mm-hmm. Um, 
wrong, Mom. <laughs> it was because they were fucking horrible bitches. <laughs> wow. Um, Joking. Not mom, the bees. This isn't. And, and I can't afford therapy, so this is what you. I do. <laughs> oh, my mom isn't gonna listen to any of this. Um. <laughs> so there's the Sundari archetype in anime, and that's sort of the same character. Like she's supposed to be. But Sundere put up like this nasty front, but then you see sort of a, a weakening and a sympathy gradually start to appear. But how did the, the actress who plays Sam, who we will name later, uh, plays this, uh, this conflict in her and she's really, really mean. And then like she talks to the Drew who she's closer with. Uh, and, and he's like, you know, I think you really like him. And then she's all like, ah, I, I really like you, Augie. You're so awesome that you're helping us out, Augie. Let me <laughs> throw my hair around, Augie, oh, and right. get real close to you. Also, it's like, like, what the fuck? Like, she has, she has two modes. <laughs> she's either mean or horny. And, like... That's without the sauce. Relate to him as a human being. Like, allow us to see a thaw and a, a, an organic change in, in how you react. And I, I was also just thinking about this, but, like, in ter- not in terms of the actual Bechdel test, but these characters never, ever discuss anything other than, like, the, the immediate direct plot of the movie. <laughs> Nobody uh, else has any, like, fears or motivations or anything else besides, like, what is going to happen in an hour and 28 minutes. As far as Bechdel test... I am not sure there is a scene in this movie where two women talk. That's a good point, too. <laughs> I can't think of one. So, I can that, think is, of two, that is a hard fail. I can think of two women test. in the movie. Yes, there are two. There, I can think of there are three female characters in the movie who have enough roles to be characters. There's the, the rich sorority girl, there's Sam, there's the rich sorority girl, and there's Tracy Lords. And they don't really talk to each other. Nope. In fact, Augie very deliberately pushes Sam out of talking <laughs> to the sorority girl. Yep. God, I forgot about the sorority girl at the beginning. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> All right, so fucking this film is a thing we have to talk about, huh? <laughs> uh, we didn't say it was an easy job. <laughs> Not an easy job. It is a thankless one. All right, so that I think... Uh, which sums up our expectations. Let's go ahead and get on to doing our world-famous Casey Strip synopsis right after The Jump. The Jump! When you've got a hunger that you just can't satisfy. I have a hunger that I just can't satisfy. When only the best in street meat will do. And only the best in street meat will do. And you crave salty treats all up in your mouth. I'm not going to be saying that one. Then there is only one number to call. Burrito 911. Welcome to Burrito 911. Now 90% scabies free. Can I take your order? No. Ew. 90% ain't bad. Just call our toll-free hotline and we'll be there with the juicy meats you crave. Uh, I'm getting kind of weirded out by this one now, man. Come on, man. Those cheerleader picks from the first show aren't selling, and we got to monetize somehow. Is this or we put Cody on the streets? Why is it all of the ideas involve pimping me out somehow? <laughs> Welcome back to That Podcast Stays Up All Night, uh, where we, I don't know, insert fast food related pun here. Uh, we're back <laughs> with... 
Are you going to actually insert a fast food related pun there, or is that just uh, yeah, that's that's what that's what's going to live with? Huh? All right, <laughs> we're we're feeling out how we're going to do this show. Yeah, there it is. Doesn't uh, serve much like our main character Augie is feeling serve. out a woman who is far too young for him in the opening of this film. Take away our synopsis, Cody. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, Augustus, also known as Augie, is a generic scammy college guy from a boob comedy. After failing to sleep with slash sexually assault a very young woman who happens to be the younger sister of a previous conquest that is plastered onto his wall and the daughter of Krusty Dean. And by the way, like, they're on, they're, I think they're on the ceiling. Krusty Even Dean. though he does appear to be going down on the lady because he is a gentleman, uh, it does seem weird that it, there would be pictures of other women that he has slept with on his ceiling. Uh, and it seems weird that the women would be like, oh, okay, this, this man has clearly uh, had a lot of sex. It's probably a good idea. I don't know, man. In the 80s, there were, myself. Things, there were things like waterbeds in the 80s, though. So, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you think about that, I... <laughs> yes, waterbeds and sexual <laughs> conquests. I see the correlation. And there's a lot of fluids involved in both. Oh! Oh! AIDS. Man, that's a, that's a lot of water. In a bed. <laughs> oh man, my cousin had one and it popped. Ooh. It was just like there's that is a catastrophe. It, it, from it what ended. I or, it ended that room. That, <laughs> I was just about to say there's there's no fun waterbed story that it doesn't involve it like destroying an entire like section of the house. If you're like we owned a waterbed and it was cool for a while, it's like all right, neato. I got to do toaster. You want me to talk about that too? Can I, yeah. You, you you literally have to like sleep on the thing either naked or near naked. You, you can't go anywhere near it with sharp objects, a bunch of pants with extra <laughs> or, rivets in them, or a cat, or like you know any sort of like child, like you know. Also, they were a not to to find a point on it. They were the the trailer version of royalty. <laughs> Yeah. Well, also, I feel like the same. Yeah. The idea is that they're comfortable, but you always had to have like a, a wooden box that went up around the edges. So getting in and out of the bed always involved you sitting on like at least the corner of, if you were lucky, a, a sanded down a wooden enclosure. <laughs> Becoming <Yeah>. beached. <laughs> and they were comfortable if you didn't move. <laughs> like the second you move. You're in the middle of a fucking earthquake, <laughs> and I am not a, I, I am not a still sleeper. <laughs> yeah, God, me neither. So, to, to be fair, no waterbeds were harmed in the making of this film that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back to our, back to the crime in progress. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Makes you tink. Augie hooks up with his forgettable crony to visit a friend who works in the lab. The next day, Augie and Nameless Friend are forcibly graduated by the dean and lament that they now need to find jobs to pay their student loans. God, tell me about it. Blah, blah, blah. Commentary on the upcoming student debt bubble. Oof. (laughs) Personally, hurting for me. Yeah. (laughs) If Navient, if you are listening, please stop. Over in the lab, we find out that in seeking a cure for priapism, the scientists have instead created an aphrodisiac. Lab guy tells Augie, which is definitely his first mistake of the movie. Augie and Crony... Let's, let's talk a bit about what the lab guy looks like. 
Oh, this we don't is, mind. Uh, bringing up the, the first of our rotating cast of people who look like a dozen other people. He is a chimera of every nerd actor. Yeah. Uh, he is... Rick Moranis was one I came up with yep, last Rick night. Yep, Rick Moranis for uh, sure. Depends on how he's like, either if he has a hat on or if his hair is out of his face, he looks like Woody Allen. Uh, a bit a bit of uh, Eddie Deason. Ooh! Yeah! <laughs> oh man, we can start doing Eddie Deason voice on the podcast now, Oh, too. he's gonna be in these films, by the way. <laughs> oh, these films, by the I way. can't wait. I mean, Laser Blast was a fucking... You ever seen Laser Blast? Eddie Deason plays a, a popular kid. Oh, I think a, it, it was a that's Mystery another. Theater movie. I was just about to say, yeah, I've definitely seen that MST3K. With an off-brand Mark Hamill-looking guy who finds a laser and uses it to bully back the bully Eddie Deason. <laughs> yep. If you're bullied by Eddie Deason, oh. you have problems in your life. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can speak clearly. <laughs> Yeah, nerd, get out of my way. <laughs> God, why wasn't Eddie Deason in Monster High? God, it could have been. It would have been perfect. <laughs> or I was just sitting there like, who the fuck's Eddie Deason? I do, I have no idea who Eddie Deason is. Uh, king, king of the nerd actors. Did you, okay, <laughs> uh, the Polar Express. I did see Polar. I I'm aware of its existence. Um, uh, what about I, Brave Little Toaster? I'm aware of uh, poor man's Rick Moranis. Like, <laughs> I believe that's what you guys were calling him yesterday. So, like, <laughs> yeah, like, I can go with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely. We'll point out Eddie Deason when we do a movie with him, which we inevitably will because yeah. he turns up all over these kinds of movies. Yeah, he will be immediately recognizable for his like high pitched nerdy voice. It's like the the ultimate archetype of like the nah. I'm I'm speaking through my nose. He had a big career with nerd adjacent movies. Anyway, <laughs> this guy is like a golem of all of the fucking nerds of cinema ever. What, once again, we're talking about a movie that we wish had better actors in it. Not even better, <laughs> just like more recognizable. <laughs> he should have been, that character should have been Eddie Deason. It would have been, with all the other character actors in this fucking movie, it would have been Honestly, in, in a fast food restaurant too, like this guy is also just kind of boring as the lab assistant. Like Even Rick Moranis yeah. would have like either goofed or nerded it up like a little bit more. Yeah, it would have been fun. This guy, like the most this guy does is a shitty Rodney Dangerfield. Oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> Holy shit. And, and repeats the Rodney Dangerfield bit. <laughs> and he's and he does it wrong because he's all like, she doesn't get no respect. And he's like, you don't get no respect. <laughs> oh my god. Motherfucker. You know, let me just say, like, I... <laughs> I knew I recognized that when he said it, but I was like, why do I recognize that? And now, now yeah. Now, now it's no, clicking because he butchered yeah. it. I can get why, weird as it is, even though it was just a Dangerfield bit, I'm like, I can see where you wouldn't get it because he does it so badly. That's that's one of the things that, it, it's a movie, but that is weirdly one of the more realistic bits is being at some sort of gathering and having to endure some MC doing a bad Dangerfield bit. <laughs> Uh, good thing they don't. Uh, we don't do any bad bits. Uh, <laughs> it's celebrity impressions on this show. Am I right, Josh? Am I right? It's <laughs> <laughs> a podcast. I wish you could see the hand gestures too. <laughs> that is what I, I, I definitely think yeah. of uh, Gilbert Godfrey constantly throwing his hands <laughs> in the air like he's directing air traffic. <laughs> the 
for me, it's it's not the hands, but I always think of the like the the Google search that comedian that squints and yells a lot immediately turns up Gilbert Gottfried. So that's whatever. Whenever I do the voice, it's the eyes. It's the it's like almost jugheading it. You have to close your eyes to do it. So back to the synopsis. Uh, Augie and his oh, I already said that student debt. Uh, over in the lab with uh, not Eddie Dozer or Eddie Do- Deason. Not Eddie Deason. Over in the lab with not Eddie Deason, we find out that in seeking a cure for priapism, the scientists have instead. Yeah, we, oh, we I did that bit. I did <laughs> do this next, bit. For the next paragraph. Good God! All right, there was yeah, there was even a break for me. <laughs> Augie and nameless crony visit their friends Augie's ex Sam, who is running a faltering gas station near campus and rightfully hates Augie. There, they find out she is on the brink of selling the place to Wrangler, selling the place to Wrangler Bob, a fast food magnet played by Jim Varney, and introducing the best part of the entire film. Yep. In case anybody, I guess, you know, in case anybody out there is too fucking young to know, Jim Varney uh, was in the Ernest movies where he played this sort of I don't hapless. Know, Hapless idiot man-child. Like, this was still when you could make movies about idiot man-children. Naive and sweet. And and Ernest was high on that list. Yeah. Uh, Or, if you are too young to recognize that, he is the voice of Slinky Dog in the first two Toy Story movies. He was. He was indeed. So, Augie instead proposes that they open their own burger joint and forges Sam's name on documents, putting the property up as collateral against a loan to fix the place up. And while doing the property, or while redoing the property with a gas station restaurant theme for some reason, Augie jerks it up by taking over the process and basically forcing Sam out of controlling her own business that she had to be convinced to let them help her with. So there's there's a bit where she's trying to pick out uniforms during the montage, and he just puts down a box and he's like, here's the uniforms. <laughs> and she walks off, and then later he's like, why is she so mad? Yeah. I'm like, Jesus, man. Yeah, this again begins this movie's trend of gaslighting poor Sam. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the thing is, like, I didn't know, you know, for some reason, like, food places and gas stations... Like, that was something I discovered when I moved here. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I, I didn't realize that, like, that there's a history of this existing. Like, I, I, everywhere I've lived, like, convenience, you could get convenience store food, like a hot dog on a roller or something, but not, like, an actual... And then, Restaurant-themed, yeah, <laughs> like, drive-in like, or gas station. But but it, I guess the best barbecue place in Kansas City is run out of a gas station. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, there's a Mediterranean place here in town that I guess is pretty good, run out of a gas station. Yeah. I, so yep. We still need to do that. That might that might just be my ignorance, though. I, no, I, I, I've definitely heard the... Uh, the I don't know what you would call it phrase beatitude whatever that's like the dingier the barbecue place looks like the better the food is going to taste which definitely can't always be true. I mean, a fancy looking barbecue place is not a place you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you guys aren't doing it right. <laughs> Boston, what is it? Uh, cheesecake Factory <laughs> barbecue. I've, I've told Josh about this place that we're gonna we're gonna go to together one of these days. It's a place that. I eat at probably once a month. That is a 
that is uh, a barbecue place that is very soup Nazi-esque in Kansas City. Oh, <laughs> oh man, I would love that. Are you familiar with Gates? Uh, oh, I know the name. I didn't yeah. know that they were like that. Oh, yeah, no. Oh. Like, you walk in, and oh. they're, they're very much like... What do you want? Yep. <laughs> what do you have in there? And if you're not ready, they send you to the back of the line, like that kind of thing, you know? Like, yep. They... And they're not answering any questions about what's on the, like... Yeah, Gates Gates is great. Hot take, uh, Jack Stack overrated. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out sure. there on our food episode, our first one. <laughs> yeah, man, you're going to start a Kansas City barbecue fight on our, on our fast food episode. <laughs> this is this is all of the threads that Josh is going to be moderating for the next two months now. <laughs> are these are these uh, foodie jackasses on our, on our Facebook board. Uh, Fruity Jackasses hang out on the gram, buddy. <laughs> be talking to you. There you go. Crap in a hat. <laughs> well, speaking of crap in a hat, <laughs> uh, an angry Bob uses his money to run promotions directly against the shop, causing it to flounder until a sorority makes a deal for the restaurant to cater their big party. And now, 50 or 40 so minutes into the movie, we'll finally get to the points and the taglines. Augie, looking to make a good impression, swipes a bunch of the homebrew date rape drug and slaps it into the special sauce. The party quickly becomes a non-con orgy, including Sam jumping on Augie and the party's organizers nearly cheating on her serious boyfriend with the science guy, still doing a Dangerfield impersonation. (laughs) But it also uh, apparently has more extraterrestrial powers besides making people horny, as the band turns from a stodgy prom rock to rock and roll partiers hosting a wet t-shirt contest. So I guess all is radical that ends radical. So that's the end of the movie? (laughs) You wish. We wish. The next day, feelings are hurt amongst the restaurant team, but the people of the town are excited at the opportunity to get their very own rape burgers. Though eventually the owners stop using the sauce. We get- hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. This this was a plot hole that like I noticed, and maybe you guys can explain to me. The townspeople are okay with it? Nobody knows. Do they make the causal connection? It, it would seem to be because like they are not busy, they host the party, and the next day they're all like, Wow, everybody wants to come here now, it's a super hot spot. And then we and, and at this point, I think Augie has fessed up to somebody about using the rape sauce, although not to his sure. business partners. Yeah. And to the nerd guy. Yeah, uh, just he's like, the you got to stop knows. using it. And he's like, but we're really popular. And they're like, well, okay, just this batch or some shit. Right. And then they're going to stop using it. Yeah, more for like the actual restaurant, since this was just like a test run to see what the impact would be of putting this hormone into the burger. So apparently the town saw that there was an orgy at a sorority party and were like, oh, that sounds great. Let's go get some of that food. We can also address at this point in time that uh, the sorority party and the towns itself do not number larger than 30 people. So it would be pretty easy for the word to spread quickly. Yeah, I think we were pointing out when we were watching it last night that it's usually, rec- and sometimes recognizably, the same extras the same for every people. crowd scene. <laughs> so, they're, so you could argue that they were at the sorority party, just going back for seconds. But again, like my, you know, like, no, are you're making the causal connection no. between the burgers and, and feeling great, you know? Why else would they want it? I, <laughs> I mean, it, it has to be that they're going there because they've heard that it gets you horned up. Because uh, is this an, is this an eighties like a repressed eighties thing where like 
Although, you know, the burgers make you horny, it's unstated. Yeah, because they <laughs> nobody the ever like directly <laughs> because of the <laughs> bringing that one back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nobody ever like directly says like, oh, it's it's this burger specifically. But I think it's one of those like Pavlov situations where, like, some people definitely distinctly have a more horny reaction than other people who simply wish to now play rock and roll music and host a wet T-shirt contest. I mean, the film... or kiss. The film sort of explains that at the end yeah. in a very bullshitty way. Yeah, a nice little <laughs> um, a retcon bow. <laughs> the, uh... Also, uh, Cody, you mentioned this, and I didn't notice this. The burgers look completely unappetizing. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think we... Have, we haven't discussed <laughs> yeah. this yet, have no, we? No, they're vile. Oh, yeah. It's the, the buns that they're using look like those type of buns that... Not only are they not even, but they have that, like, extra flour powdering on both sides of it, too. So it just looks like this really pale, unappetizing burger. There's, there, I don't ever remember seeing any lettuce or tomatoes or cheese nope. in the entirety of the film, either. Nope. You just see burgers, you just see buns, and then the sauce that they apply with an actual paintbrush. You get a slab of meat, some store-brand buns, and some diarrhea sauce. Enjoy your burger. It's like a floppy Impossible Whopper. Then, then they all take bites of, and before this, they all take bites of their test burgers to see how good they are before the sauce is added. Take a bite and then toast the like bitten chunks together. It's like already this burger. You can you can kind of see in like two or three of their hands that like the the collective pressure of multiple other burgers against them is definitely starting to collapse the the meat mm. inside. When they're talking about what are the ingredients of the non-rape sauce, like pre-rape so added sauce is, they say that it's, I believe it's uh, mayo, ketchup, and a little bit of chocolate. Yeah. That sounds terrible. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The, uh, what is it? There's like the, um, it's like chocolate chipotle sauce yeah. at the at burger stand, right? Yeah. Or something along those lines that it... it it's pretty good, but I, I feel like it's more of a name thing or an ingredient than the, the taste of actual chocolate flavor. Yeah. But yeah, God, that would be... Ugh. <laughs> now yeah. I want a chocolate burger. <laughs> that sounds that sounds like something I would try. <laughs> sounds like something I'd try on a bet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the town is like all... Like a double down? <laughs> yeah, so now, so now the, ta- the town is hog wild for this sauce... Uh, we get a sauce montage where cheerleaders start wildly dancing. An old man tries to assault his nurse. A priest and a nun nearly violate their vows until God shoots at them with film scratch lightning. So I guess God exists, although the fact that he lets Augie live kind of speaks poorly of his benevolence. Then uh, Wrangler Bob sends Tracy Lords as a spy to the stand, which is not immediately clear but is also immediately clear that this woman is not actually looking for gainful employment at this gas station burger themed restaurant so she manages to find out about the drug and immediately spanish flies herself in the process which causes a comic misunderstanding as sam walks in on augie and the nearly naked lords and she assumes he's banging her the next day lords returns to bob with stories about date rape drugs and he rightfully calls the feds to shut the operation down <laughs> leaving the bank to call the loan and Augie's friends to find out about his many deceptions 
which I feel like brings back in the fact that Jim Varney is probably the only redeemable character in the movie. <laughs> we didn't talk. We didn't talk about the loan, right? We we uh, we mentioned it in the synopsis. Just okay. that Augie like forges her, yeah, name. <laughs> forges Sam's signature against anybody's, not against her wishes. Nobody even knows about that part. Yeah. Oh, that's also in the movie where apparently if you just mention the fact that you might be from the same fraternity as a bank manager, you uh, you can pretty much get any type of loan that you want. I mean, that's the most realistic thing in this film. I, mean, I believe that more than I believe many of the other things happening here. I believe but that you... more than them opening a restaurant. Do you have any comparisons between uh, Augie and Zach from Saved by the Bell at all? Uh, one is the older version of the other. <laughs> <laughs> I do also want to say that when they find out that he, he forged your signature on the loan, like their solution is like, darn, we're going to lose the restaurant instead of, we're going to jail. sue Augie. Yeah. <laughs> going to because, jail. <laughs> because he forged my name on a document, and I'm not therefore liable for the loan. He gets to go to jail. Yeah. Yeah, Augie should go to jail, and then they should continue to own and operate their already running restaurant or pay off whatever, you know, that fees make, or fines. That would make him the redeemable character, yeah. I suppose, right? Yeah. And they can just say, oh, and by the way, he put all this stuff in the sauce without our knowledge. He does also lead in that <laughs> later in the movie that he would fall on that, like, jail sword, except for the fact that he already has the, uh, the, the magic lawyer MacGuffin to get himself out of the situation he's admitting to. I mean, I feel like it's not falling on the sword when you absolutely are the guilty party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at this point, they're in court. The only guilty party. <laughs> at this point, they're in court when Wrangler Bob has appeared as well to manipulate events. Augie appears to represent the conspirators and to take responsibility for his many misdeeds. And uh, this is preceded by one night of studying three or four large-looking books. Yeah. Like, was he a law major? Like, why the fuck is he allowed to represent? Well, as somebody who's been in uh, in school a long time, you major in a lot of things at one point or another. <laughs> so this is this is also like the the scene where they do find out about the loan and that Augie put the sauce in or it put the put the aphrodisiac in the sauce, they all read him his rights and give him the, like, oh, you've been an irredeemable asshole the whole movie. And then, yeah, you get one quick three-minute scene of Augie studying law. Everybody else is already at the courthouse without him. And then he shows up late in a suit and is like, I'm representing our group. And they let it fly. Yeah, the judge uh, does say that he's supposed to be, uh, like, subpoenaed with the rest of them, but like, then he lets him do it. He's not just subpoenaed, like, you're under arrest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also in that scene when he when they read him the riot act, they're mostly just like, "How? why would you do that? Not like, you're a criminal, and I'm calling the police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on the stand, the doctor who made the supplement testifies that it's not a drug because it consists of, quote-unquote, natural ingredients, unlike Wrangler Bob sauce. I think that's the same excuse InfoWars uses. <laughs> oh, God. What, in their natural... Natural only, supplements. Only natural ingredients in their tactical flashlights? <laughs> <laughs> How many tactical flashlights can you have? The, the judge decides, after testimony from one witness, that they are innocent, and Wrangler Bob makes a mad scramble for the last jar of sauce, 
which falls and bursts on the ground, turning the court into, once again, another orgy scene. No, 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 no. Hang on. And plot hole number two that I noticed. <laughs> All of a sudden, the sauce becomes airborne? Yes. <laughs> it's evolving. <laughs> It's been allowed to ferment in the jar. Because they aren't all licking the floor when it falls on the floor. No, it, it visibly emits steam. Yes. Yeah. It, it reminds me of like the, the dust they put on actors during fight scenes to make it look like there's more stuff. Like They yeah. coated the entire jar with this dust so when it fell, it would have a more visible reaction. Which is already a red sauce. Like yeah. That shattering and breaking should be enough. <laughs> but I think I think they intended to like float in the air and make it look all foggy. Mm-hmm. But the, the heroes escape. Though. Yep. Yeah, they they, they <laughs> escape, and heroes. that's the end of the movie. I don't. You don't really get to see if if the restaurant continues after. You just know that they at least avoided legal trouble for this scam. And Sam is going to hook up with uh, with Augie. Yes. Which sadly, she did not learn. Nope. <laughs> All right, so that is uh, let's let's get into our discussion on this film. Uh, I don't really have a discussion topic because I forgot to write one. What would be an interesting discussion topic for this one, guys? Uh, I would. So honestly, again, just out of the movies we've seen already, even though I would say this is somewhere above Cheerleader Beach Camp as far as like how boring it is to actually watch the movie. It's not nearly as exciting as uh, Monster High, but I think fast food has like the best cinematography of any of the films so far. Like there's yeah. there's a variety of shots and, and pans and dolly cams and stuff so, like that. So between the three movies you've mentioned, they combine into one great movie. <laughs> yeah, like a Voltron of movies, uh, a Mill Creek Voltron, if you will. Yes, <laughs> go on. <laughs> Cheerleader Beach Party is a definite case of seventies camera. Mm-hmm. Um, Monster High has a very video look. Yeah. Yeah, they, this one is the most film looking. I will agree. Yeah, they they I, all even though I watched them either on DVD or on YouTube, cough cough, they all still have that feeling like you're watching a VHS tape. I don't know if you looked it up or not, Josh. Fast food, I bet was actually in theaters. I didn't look it up. I, I'm yeah. not sure. Oh, I, I uh, oh sorry, I um, did I did see that uh, two other Ernest films had already come out by this point. So Jim Varney's name did have that earnest like yeah. stardom attached oh, to wow. it by this point. <laughs> so you, he wasn't a nobody. Like, yeah. So he'd, he'd been doing. He'd been famous for a little while by the time this he, came out. Yeah, he was doing even like, before the earnest films. He it was a character that he did on television. Or he something. did a lot of commercial work. Yeah. So this movie was either made before that, or this was him trying to break out of the earnest role <laughs> a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or he just wanted to pick up a little money. <laughs> or he just really wanted to wear a white suit and cowboy hat. I mean, as we've talked about, he's certainly the best part of it. Like, Wrangler Bob. Wrangler Bob Wrangler is Bob. a fun character. He's this caricature of the like stereotyped hyper-capitalist Texan. And Jim Varney makes it very fun. <laughs> I, whoa, 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 whoa. Alleged Texan? <laughs> I, I guess they don't say he's Texan, but he's pretty clearly. There's, there's a in, in the commercial they're su- they're shooting. There's a great bit where he has because he wears a white suit and he has yeah. a white cowboy hat. But in the commercial, he has a white cowboy hat with a white chef's hat on top, of it. <laughs> and it's great. Yeah, he he always looks like Doug Dimmodome from Fairly Odd Parents. <laughs> oh God, I I want a I want a compilation of all of my favorite like 
knockoff chain restaurants in movies because you got you got movies that show up in all the like Miramax and like Kevin Smith movies. Uh-huh. Now, now there's Wrangler Bobs. I'm trying to think of a couple other ones like off the top of my head that are like that aren't very obvious like McDonald's or Burger King knockoffs, but they're obviously supposed to be the oh we have over you know well, five hundred restaurants. Why don't we just slow our roll on that particular oh. conversation for a little while? I bet it comes back. <laughs> <laughs> well, for discussion topics, let's depending know depending about on this. if you spin the wheel right. I mean. Right. <laughs> I know we've talked about this a lot. And then we're going to be talking about comes. a lot of these movies. Uh, let's talk about the sexual assault in these films. Oh, good <laughs> Lord. Here it comes. Um, I think we all know that 80s uh, sex comedies had consent problems. Consent mm. problems. Like from stuff like Meatballs, where it's dudes being a bit aggressive, to the sort of gold standard of sex assault in uh, uh, Attack of, in uh, Revenge of the Nerds, where mm. you have the... The guy wearing the Darth Vader mask, like sl- slipping one to a, his rival's girlfriend, and and fucking her until she enjoys it. Yeah. Um. This film, I think, fits into that spectrum a little interestingly. In that one, it's a boob comedy without any real boobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the other guy that used to be on the podcast claimed that there was side boob in the scene with the professor. There, I didn't see it. Yeah, you can arguably see the outline, but like. You'd, you'd need to pause and yeah. be a real desperate pervert to fucking it, get It is definitely like that. only Did you just for call s- the old guy a desperate pervert? I think he'd call himself a desperate pervert if you <laughs> asked him. <laughs> old, old guy, if you're listening, we love you. We love you, we miss you. you. You're the one who chose to leave. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He did. And he's always welcome back because he's a fun dude. There you go. And our, and our friend. <laughs> Poor Kyle. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not Kyle. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd never ask Kyle back. Yeah, that, um, that dude had to act on his uh, his uh, pervert decisions and have a child. I guess. <laughs> yeah, his pervert decisions caught up to him. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I was leaving the store the other day, and I said to him, "I'm like, man, you got the worst STD of all." <laughs> <laughs> And he just sort of mumbled and looked tired. <laughs> and then he had some comeback, but it's already forgotten. <laughs> uh, but this film, like one, you don't actually see anything, and mm-hmm. two, I think it wants to excuse it by yeah. by being like, "Oh, these people are you know that's that's why they turn into rock people. That's their their desire. It just releases people's inhibitions. So yeah. if they want to, they just be rock musicians. And all the people that are like." wildly fucking like when the sorority girl tries to fuck the nerd guy like it's just because she wants to fuck and her boyfriend isn't you know but Josh all natural ingredients just like K2 it's just, it's just <laughs> yeah. natural well it's, it's so it's, you know like when almonds have cyanide in them <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny that Aura mentions that because I was also thinking that this movie would be almost exactly the same if you just take out the like very vague, sexy side of it, which, like we've discussed, if it's a boob comedy, that's it doesn't really live up to that name because there's so little of it. And Augie does like make an active attempt that even though he knows what the side effect is before he puts it in the sauce, he tries to prevent Sam from doing it, albeit though probably because she's the owner and not like a person who needs to have this done so she'll crave the burgers. Yeah. But like, I was thinking. 
it wouldn't take any tweaking at all to make this like a stoner comedy and have them just be like THC in the sauce and you would get all of the exact you could film the whole movie exactly the same except instead of being horny they're just extra hungry for the burgers and I mean some people when they're stoned get horny I mean yeah you could could still have that element you could leave it stony people be like hey you want to hook up yeah that is you're correct that's the modern version is how high (laughs) yeah oh yeah or I don't know, fucking soul plane or some shit, where where everyone <laughs> good is getting burger. stoned. <laughs> I think I think that's a subplot of Good Burger. That is an excellent point. I hadn't Carol, thought about Carol it that way. Kumar. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think that's sort of where we segue out of this into the modern sex comedy sensibility, where there's a, you know some degree of consideration for consent. Uh, def- <laughs> definitely more so now. Was Honestly, it? just thinking about like Harold and Kumar movies, there's definitely still. Uh, some gray areas there. Yeah. Was it? Was it super still bad? Problematic went, movies. Super bad. Is that the one where there's a girl that they're crushing on and like? But well, super bad is kind of like a meta text version of this stuff because like sure, they're the, the plot of the movie is that they need to get alcohol for these girls at this party because they're like we have to get them drunk so they will sleep with us. Mm. Yeah. Um, and one of the girls when they get there is already fucking plastered and and ends up and yeah. the dude Michael Sarah is is trying to hook up with her. And he's like, I don't want any of this. You're plastered, and it's weird. Yeah. And then uh, Jonah Hill gets plastered, and he's trying to get with Emma Stone, and he's like, I don't think you'd like me because I'm fat and weird, so I needed you drunk. And she's like, I like you, so stop being an idiot. Mm. <laughs> God, that. And I don't well, drink because like I, she has something well, like in I recall the, or something. I, I saw that movie in theaters with uh, with my uh, with my cohort, um, <laughs> and there were a couple. There were a couple feminists in the group who pointed this out to me and something I didn't notice because I grew up on boob comedies. Like, they're only the nice guys because they don't take advantage of the girls. Literally everything else in that movie, they're 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 kind of skeevy assholes, right? Mm-hmm. I would um, maybe argue a little bit with it. Sure. Like, I don't think they're great people, but I don't think the yeah. film is portraying them as good people. Yeah. I think they're yeah. portraying them as teenagers. Yeah. Who, I, who want sex and are a bit dumb. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think that they make moral choices in relation to the. Sure. Like I think sort of the film, where I think it differentiates from some of these films, and a film like this, which doesn't seem to, and if you want to get into the flaw of fast food, it doesn't. It seems to be okay with the idea of like, oh, these women are in an altered state, and it makes them want to have sex, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, it's probably not okay. Uh, no, I think, uh, and, and super bad doesn't think it's okay. Yeah, yeah it, I, it gets at the insecurities that are underlying that on the male side, and the the weirdness that's underlying it on the other side. Mm-hmm. Like, just relate to human beings as humans. Like, you don't need them to be trashed or coerced them into things. And the idea that we think that we do is just a product of a lot. Well, of well what about tell us the that. middle ground then? Something like can't hardly wait. Hmm. Or, a, I love Can't Hardly Wait. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Or, or I was thinking about this earlier. I, I don't think it was anything that we recorded, but uh, say anything. Just the idea of like that's a I'll, creepy movie. Uh, yeah, a lot of these, a lot of this situation, especially I feel like in '80s or '90s movies, is like the quote unquote like unrequited love, or like you have to win the person, and it always is that question of like, okay, when does you needing to learn that you have confidence or being persistent cross the line and now you're being a creepy stalker which some of these 80s movies like definitely portray guys like Augie as oh he's charismatic or 
I feel like the portrayal is supposed to be that Augie is charismatic and confident, but it, it just comes off as pretentious yeah. and irredeemable. And then when people try to put that into practice, you get incels on the one hand and fucking PUAs on the other. <laughs> yeah. And people that like think Rick Sanchez is a role people. model. <laughs> like, because we get the wrong lessons from these movies that teach us to not. I mean, like, I'm terrible with women, and I'll admit it, and I've admitted it before on the podcast. But I know, I know the theory, <laughs> and the theory is this. Uh, a, keep yourself up a bit, because nobody wants to fucking date you if you're a fucking... Chud. Chud-looking weirdo <laughs> who, can't, who can't take care of himself. You're welcome, Josh. And, and B, relate to other human beings. Like, relate to the people of the gender you're interested in like they're human beings. Because they are human beings. They have interests. And you can talk about those interests that you share. And you can be interested in the things that they're interested in. And they can reciprocate that. And you can build a relationship. So, uh, another... Right? I mean, that's not... Yeah. <laughs> well, on the, so on the subject of, like, tail-chasing, like, protagonists, I was thinking about this that's, you know, the boob comedy thing. And I mentioned uh, Real Genius earlier. And, like, Val Kilmer's character... I was thinking about it. That's definitely not a, like, boob comedy in any senses. And he doesn't, like, actively go after women. But he's friends with, like, an entire salon of, like, girls that work at, like, a beautician school. And he also, like, very easily picks up women. But just, like, he's, he's not actively going for them. He's just charming. And then they say something, like, flirty to him. And he runs with it. Yeah. But he's not being... He's not just doing his actions... For the sake of him scoring, like this yeah. character is. There's no deception in it. There's, yeah. There's nothing over the top. There's nothing stalkery. He's just relating to people as people. And that's, like, under all the PUA fucking D&D language bullshit, like, <laughs> that, you know, be confident, talk to people. Yeah, be seem yourself, Seem like you're man. cool. <laughs> seem don't, like you have shit together. Yeah, you don't, you don't need burgers to get girls, guys. Yeah. Or it's girls. Not, it's not magic. Girls, guys. <laughs> and you don't, yeah, you don't need a sexual assault burger or fucking killer weed or Goldschlager <laughs> or schnapps. <laughs> Most honestly, I feel like the lesson that a lot of these movies skip over in in trying to give the same lesson is a yes, you should be yourself and be confident. But if being yourself and being confident isn't working for somebody that you are attracted to. Then what are you? What are you ultimately trying to get anyway? Don't you want to be with somebody who likes you for you? Like you'll you'll find that eventually. I don't know. Am I getting too preachy? This, this has been a very special episode. <laughs> the Zach podcast stays up all night. Bible all study is this Sunday. This podcast, the podcast that stays up all night. However, that podcast up all night. That the pot the that. That the podcast that stays up all night. Or is having a stroke. <laughs> Must be the burgers. Or, or is always having a stroke while he's podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying something inappropriate that's, that's, here. That's, that's what it sounds research. like when he's done with the stroke. <laughs> <laughs> Can you grab me a towel, sweetie? Uh, that's what it sounds like. This is what I like in our podcast when we have sort of serious, sweet moments followed by jokes about our beating off on the <laughs> podcast. Whoa, is that what we were talking about? I thought it was. I thought, you it know. Was I thought we were talking it's about that Billy stuff. Squire song. 
<laughs> Always talking about the Billy Squire song. Fuck you both. Right. So we've had a nice little discussion about this film that probably doesn't warrant it. So, <laughs> so how about we get on with us uh, playing some games on the other side of the jump, huh, gents? The other side of the jump! So I don't know if the audience knows this, but Aura is an actual, factual doctora. That is correct. Best 15 years of my life. Which means that he's going to be going on the job market where he has basically no hope of finding a full-time job. That is correct. Thanks for the vote of confidence, my good friend. Uh, so Cody and I thought we would do Aura a favor and help him rehearse for a, a typical job interview uh, for a position as the dean of a college. Why, uh, why do you have that uh, recorder in my face? Reasons. Uh, then I don't want to ask why you think recent grads get hired as deans instead of as professors first, but you know. Okay, settle down. <laughs> Our first question is, uh, how do you feel about students? Well, as a longtime educator, I feel that the importance of a positive student-teacher relationship is paramount to... Yeah, I'm going to interrupt you there. Well, sure, yeah. So, according to our research, what schools really look for in deans is deep contempt for the young. Um, so, second question. Uh, are, you, are you a believer in long-term planning? I mean, not always my strongest suit, but yes, I believe a good educational plan can, you know, really... Would you characterize those plans as sinister? Um, I would not. So these questions... Extensively researched. Uh, third question. Could you quantify your level of crustiness for us? Uh, please note that anything less than extreme may count against you. You guys just watched a bunch of college movies, didn't you? Uh, what do you think research means? Welcome to the fun and games portion. My favorite, right, guys? Your favorite, too, right, Josh? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a spin of the wheel, Cody, and see what games we're playing this week, huh? He's, he's, he's already sick of spinning the wheel, by the way. I don't know if you saw the look on his face when he's like... Tick, 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 well, possibly because you actually hit him with the wheel spin. <laughs> That's how we, part of it. Oh no 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 that 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 is very much real. That's that's how the wheel starts. <laughs> it's a part of the process, man. Yeah. Uh, where where did the wheel I'm I'm character acting this. <laughs> I'm deep. It would it would appear that the wheel landed on franchise opportunities. So uh this uh this one's good this one's another new game this week. What the, what this one involves is what other foods would you uh include in your in your Rape Burger franchise service. <laughs> so, chicken finger blasters? Frenching fries? What, what <laughs> kinds of things would you, you know? Uh, you know? I mean... Well, uh, you sure. might start with, like, a double-decker burger with uh, jalapenos. Sure. And ghost peppers. Ooh. Uh, ghost and peppers. And jalapeno ranch. Uh, and And some... Uh, and, and and throw on some uh, Tabasco sauce, uh, which are you just is, describing really, your perfect sandwich? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's really tough to eat, so I would call it uh, the Destroyer. <laughs> oh yes, the Destroyer. Ooh, 
Its uh, its tagline can be hard to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the destroyer's tagline is one in the pink and two in the stink. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a shocker. <laughs> no, no, the shocker is two in the pink and one oh, in the stink. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, I... See, it's the destroyer because it reverses expectation. Oh, oh my! Uh... I'm very sorry, women that are listening to this. I promise, I'm not like this. God, or how long? It's just how many a bit. Years has it been since middle school for you? <laughs> a d- urban dictionary, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I'll let you go, Cody, because I'm still thinking. <laughs> yeah, it would definitely have to be, uh, if, if it was my franchise, it would be on some, like, Bob's Burger level of, like, it's just decent food, but everything is is vague enough that if you just glance at it real quick, you wouldn't think, but everything is very obviously, like, double entendres. Sure. And it's, uh, the restaurant would have stuff like, uh... Uh, porthole style windows that are coupled in twos which just seems a little odd but it's definitely like two circles and then there's spacing and then two more porthole window oh. circles some a lot of subtle stuff like, like that One, like your yeah. proposed logo for the show yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like the porthole windows would have glass but right in the middle to be classy you'd have a little uh like like a little circular you know like a nipple yeah, yeah. Just yeah. call it a nipple. <laughs> <laughs> made of brass. Like, I was um, trying to think of a fun thing um, for to name, call a fixture, but no. It's, like a, like like a, the joke like is a, that like it would little, be a nipple. Like a little safe thing that you could just like... <laughs> then, uh, so that would be one half of the restaurant. Like one side is all those like circle windows, and then the other half is really long rectangle ones offset by like two smaller square. Mm. Uh, so we're, yeah. we're really going with like some subtle imagery subtle. working stuff here. It's very a of, subtle. A lot of red colors everywhere. And I I think it would be, I'd have a like a chicken strip restaurant instead of burgers. It's <laughs> it's much easier to coat the chicken with that sauce. Sure. Uh, and you could, because sometimes people don't like to see, you know, you watch meat being processed, it's a little unsavory. Mm-hmm. And people don't necessarily like to see that. So they could make the hamburgers in the back so you don't have to see how they're treating the, <laughs> the food. And they could separate out the back with some curtains, and you could call those the beef curtains. <laughs> <laughs> There's, it's, it's too obvious, but something about, like, finger-licking finger chicken, chicken-licking chicken. Oh. Lickin' Lickin' Chicken? I think I'd just call it Lickin' Lickin' Chicken. You want to have cross-brand deals. So what you'd want to get is, you'd, for your condiments, you'd want your, your ketchup to be made by a company that has like an old family name uh, with a lot of history like in this country. So you might make a deal with the Kavanaugh Ketchup Company. <laughs> with a K for company. No, 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 no. This one's getting away from me. All right, yeah. so... Sorry. <laughs> Shut it down. All right. So the uh, so because I had a perfect the, the one best, to follow that up. The best Ooh. idea I had involved. Uh, Tell me after the show. Yeah. <laughs> hiring waitresses that were very buxom to serve the food. Oh and, yeah. And just uh, tight t-shirts. I have good news. Perhaps for having you. A, a bird <laughs> mascot of some kind. I don't like. You've just come up with hmm, like having like. Oh, I was thinking uh, like falcons or, or raptors. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> birds of prey. Jeez, that could be the restaurant. Yes, uh, 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 uh. it's you. You're looking up to see if there's a restaurant registered. <laughs> you can call the waitstaff chicklets, so that way the customers are the birds of prey. God. <laughs> Never you mind. Let's do, <laughs> let's let's go with the wheel again. <laughs> uh, 
Hey, my favorite, genre swap. You guys remember how genre swap works? Oh, I'm not familiar, Ori. You want to run that one by me <laughs> yeah, again? Yeah, so here we go. So what this one involves is we, we, we each assign each other a genre, and we come up with how this movie would be reframed in that genre, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so uh, as a for instance, uh, let's just say uh, I assign Josh the superhero genre for this mm-hmm. go-around. He would come up with some sort of superhero contrivance for for this film. So, all right, and I might assign Cody uh, to do a German expressionist. Holy shit! Oh man! Fun. All right. <laughs> if he thinks Sweet. he's up to it. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. A complicated one. Yeah, he is. I can, I can do this. <laughs> and uh, and for exa- for further example, I might assign Aura. Oh damn, I had I had the perfect one. It just slipped because German expression is so good. <laughs> My mind was immediately racing. Um, oh crap! What did I have? Fast food, burgers. Oh, that's the movie. Uh... <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. Great podcasting right here, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Award-winning, I would say. <laughs> Damn it. I didn't want to... Okay, documentary was the first thing to my mind, but I didn't want to do that because I feel like that's too obvious with, sure. like, supersize me and shit like that. Um, superhero films. Oh, man. A kaiju movie. Fucking kaiju? All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to take a minute with this. All one. right, all right. I, I think I got mine. It's, all right. It's just this movie, but at the end, Superman kicks uh, Augie in the nads. <laughs> a, hang on, hang on. I think you could do a little better. By I know, I can. That was oh, okay. a joke. Oh, okay. um, you just see Super Wall, Super Wall, Superman coming through like drywall plaster and just like plants Augie down in a chair yep. and then it, it pans out and it's a support group meeting. <laughs> yeah. It's like you need some help. <laughs> um if you're gonna make this a superhero movie, like really fucking and it's gonna be a cheesy 80 superhero movie. Absolutely. It's not gonna be a modern MCU bullshit. No. Uh he's definitely the fucking Gene Hackman Lex Luthor supervillain Augie. Oh, is. oh uh, and I his, see his, Ernest his, isn't. He's then, creating huh? a, a he's creating a cadre of, of love slave women through his uh burger restaurants and the uh, vigilante-style superhero Wrangler Bob has to defeat That's him with his six-gun and his uh, Texas draw. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, I and save this. The, and save the fair Sam from his evil clutches. And yes, I inverted... I'd say I inverted the hero and villain in the film, but I kind of didn't. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's true. So <laughs> my, my, thought, my thought on it, when you said Superman uh, kicks him in the balls, like the thing I thought was uh, the... The mascot of the of the chain because is is some sort of superhero that like the guy dresses up but all of a sudden starts to become affective because of it <laughs> and he's like then decides like he has to start fighting crime but the problem is the corruption is in his own institution <laughs> you know. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take kaiju next because you're you're gonna have to give a minute to this German expressionism thing. I oh, think I have I have ideas, but but please go yeah. go for it. So okay, the kaiju thing. All right. So I'm sitting here and I'll, you know you've got uh, you've got the 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 monster ready to attack the town. Right. He comes from he comes from deep somewhere, deep in the ocean, deep in the ice. 
ooh, the ice caps are melting. Mm-hmm. Right? This could be this could be a message film too. And the good kaiju's are, right? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So he's he's been frozen in ice since dinosaur times. And, and then as the ice cap melts, like he has a craving, a craving for something he's smelling from far away. Right? <laughs> and you know what that something is? Rape burgers. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh-oh. What, what is Godzilla going to get horned up? What was the... What was the, You ruined the end of the movie. <laughs> no, I, oh, so Mothra what, is in this movie. What was the, <laughs> um, but, uh, so... Uh, you have a... What was the name of the restaurant? I don't remember the name of the, oh, the Pops, guest. Pops. Stand? Is it yeah. just Pops? Yeah, is that like why Pops I don't remember Burger it? Stand. It's like Pops Burger Stand, I think, yeah. That's, that's Riverdale's name, too. Okay, so... Yeah, yeah that's probably why it doesn't oh, stick. <laughs> well, okay, so here we go. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... All right, so we have the Riverdale crossover, too, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which season four is going to be fucking great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so, so you have the Archies hanging out in, in Pops that's in fast food, but the Archies are like... You know, going crazy because they they they've ingested the burger stuff, right? Mm. It's and, reacting with the fizzle rocks in their system, <laughs> and it's up to Jughead now to figure out a way to stop the kaiju from attacking the city, because because only he believes the kaiju exists, right? Everybody else is like, "You're crazy." There's no dinosaur coming, right? Jughead, how could you see a dinosaur? Your eyes aren't open. <laughs> and so and so. So the dinosaur is craving a pops burger, um, and and he's you know he's stomping on on various uh, uh, sets that 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 the Riverdale uh, people don't need anymore, um, <laughs> and he's coming and, and and can he crush Labar Nui somehow without crushing pops? <laughs> well, he's gonna. Uh, I mean, the last scene is uh, the 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 last sort of attack is going to be at pops, right? Wow. This is. This is where the final stand has to happen because by now Jughead has convinced the rest of the Archies that, that, that the that the kaiju is coming, that the danger is there, right? And uh, and so and so they're sitting there, you know. Uh, you've got the pretty poisons with their bows and arrows, and <laughs> and the and uh, you know uh, the the snake ones, the serpents with their. With their guns and their uh, whatever, right? I and everybody's franchise. yeah, everybody's trying to to uh, every, uh, Roberto Acosta Cusacura. If you're listening, I'm available. Give us a call. <laughs> we got ten more of these just waiting. Oh yeah, no, this is this is the one I'm coming off with off the cuff. I can't imagine if you gave me time to come up with something. <laughs> so they're. They're at the last stand, and the kaiju guy, uh, the the dinosaur, goes for the burger and ends up like taking a chunk out of out of pops. But that's when they strike and eventually overtake the monster. But plot twist: the monster has a huge erection. <laughs> wow, that was a twist. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> Is and it? now it's Cody's turn. <laughs> <laughs> what I loved about yours, Aura, is how like ninety nine percent of it was our interests. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he knows his audience. He's pitching to. <laughs> Alrighty. So similarly for my uh, German expression film, I'm I'm pitching to the audience I know, which is me. Uh, 
and uh, I'm I'm going to be mixing my uh, my German art uh, art films a little bit with my uh, Swedish films because I am a huge huge fan of the Seventh Seal. So to start it off, first off, it's all black and white, and you've got a uh, you got a person who's standing on a rocky beach, but they're in front of a grill. Yeah. And there's all of these these burgers on it, and there's like a little bit of counter space, so there's extra condiments. But uh, he he's doing he, the the person's going through all of the actions of like flipping the burgers and adding the condiments, but but the grill is is visibly not on, not plugged into anything. You don't you don't hear any sizzling. You can see that they're still frozen and cold. And then <laughs> up walks Jim Varney, but. He is wearing the full like Grim Reaper outfit, except for it has the uh, the Wrangler Bob like cowboy hat on the top, like in bright white on the top of the cloak. On the top of the cloak, right? And so, uh, so he walks up. And oh, hang on, hang on. I think it works better if you have the cowboy hat on and then the cloak. And then over. the cloak. Yeah. That, I, okay. I do like this revision. Revision. You can see the outline of a large cowboy hat underneath the Grim Reaper cloak. And, uh, and it's one of those things where, because of this, Jim Varney's face is, is mostly obscured, but you can see at least his, like, mouth, and you can see that he's speaking in English, but his lines have definitely been muted and dubbed over in German, and so it's all, it's all <laughs> subtitled, and it's, it's all this, like, vague, like, what are, what are you doing, son? It's like, uh, I'm preparing, and all this, like, back and forth stuff, and every now and then it cuts to a, a slow-mo shot of a, of a fully, like, prepped, ready, juicy burger in black and white, but just slowly falling and hitting the floor and, and bouncing apart. And uh, it's basically, you you think you're watching a German art house film, but by the end of it, you've actually watched Jim Varney give you the full like employee training video on how to work at a Wrangler Bob's. It's, it's like a, it's well done. It's a, it's a nice yeah. tight 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, well done. I didn't even mean that when I made the joke, but then I was like, shit. <laughs> well, Cody wins the award this week, I think, for the... <laughs> I think, I, oh man, the, the other detail I forgot was the, the guy that's, that's flipping the burgers is absolutely wearing, like, full Knight's Crusade uniform, except he's got one of those, uh, what, what are they called, the hats, don't have the top. The, the hairnet thing? No, 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 the, like, the... The visor. He's got like a fast food visor and a fast food apron on top over his uh, his chain mail. <laughs> nice. That's, we oh. could, you could call it the seventh sauce. <laughs> Boy, howdy! All right, you wanna you want you wanna you wanna roll that uh, roll that wheel one more time? Let's see what comes up. Spin wheels. Roll. Yeah, you 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 spin the wheel. <laughs> Roll that plinko machine. <laughs> Roll the plinko. Uh, we got movies in earnest this time. This this must be a special one just for this uh, this particular show, right? Yeah, so yeah, you know, it's on the wheel. It could come up for any other movie. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's entirely fate, folks. It, it, uh, so Jim Varney is in this film, uh, unlike other films where this could come up with. Uh, <laughs> and apparently he, he kind of needed some That's, money. That, that was luck. That was, yeah. Yeah. That was luck. Uh, apparently he kind of needed some money. So what are some other off-brand earnest films that Jim Varney could do that would be sort of up-all-night movies that he could be involved in? 
Uh, the one that I came up with to start us out is uh, Ernest Goes to Women's Prison, <laughs> uh, which is a sequel to Ernest Goes to Jail. Ernest goes to, is Ernest Goes to Jail or Ernest Goes to Prison? I think it's Ernest Goes to Prison. Ooh, this is a good trivia question. I think it's prison. Yeah, I think prison. But it would also be known as uh, Ernest Goes to Prison 2, Chained Heat. (laughs) Very erotic. (laughs) Very erotic. (laughs) Know what I mean? Would would Ernest... (laughs) (laughs) It is Ernest Goes to Jail. Oh, it is? Okay. Ernest Goes to Jail 2, Chained Heat. We fucked it up. <laughs> Ernest goes to jail. Yeah. You're listening to us fact checked on the air. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least we bother to fact check a lot of places these days. <laughs> all right. So we're, we're looking for for sequels to up all night movies that Ernest could be in. Well, up all night style it doesn't necessarily have to be a sequel to an up all night sure. movie. Just something that would be an Ernest film that would maybe be on an up all night thing. All right, okay. the off brand for Ernest. Another Ernest. So Just something movie. funny with an Ernest movie. Adding to the Ernest lexicon. I, yes. I I have a little bit of setup for this. Um, so one of the things me and me and Josh have talked about as a possible Patreon uh, sort of reward uh, are special episodes of this show that would uh, that would involve. Like Mill Creek movies that are just too new to have been up on all night, so mm. possible like other movies and just doing doing the same sort of bits, but with with movies that were not up on all or not on up all night, right? <laughs> and so uh, so I'm going to take one of these uh, one that I t- talked with Josh about just the other day. It's a movie called Dead Man's Hand. Right? <laughs> so it's it was on it's on a I don't I don't know if this was a Mill Creek set or if this was a different multi pack. But it was one that I bought at a truck stop. Um, <laughs> I, those are the best DVDs. Yeah, you know, it was three movies, you know, it packed in one. But the but the one they were really advertising for was this movie called Dead Man's Hand, which has this very like contemporary cover, like like this 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 girl in this bustier and a cowboy hat and a and a guy with kind of a, a French mustache, um, and and them them holding cards. Uh, and, uh, so, given that how Jim Varney had the cowboy hat already in this movie, so here's, here's my, my combination of these, which is, it's a crime, you know, <laughs> situation, Dead Man's Hand 2, they're robbing the bank, but Jim Varney, like, is really, like, the man behind the scenes on this. He's <laughs> Kaiser, so is that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Ernest robs a bank. <laughs> Ernest, ro- it's effectively Ernest robs. A- it could be a prequel to the one you just talked about. Really, <laughs> yeah. How does Ernest get to the women's prison? <laughs> as part of as part of his scheme, he dresses up like a woman. I was, yeah. I was like, that would actually fit perfectly in yes. like an Ernest film. All right, fine. I think Cody. he might have done so in some of the Ernest films. All right, I. So it, it took me a second, but I finally got mine. Uh, mine would be called uh, "Me and Ernest," and it would be "Me and Ernest." It would be Jim Varney uh, bef- before his untimely passing, but with like a visible Jim Carrey uh, uh, beard, yeah. you know, like in his in his heavy days, and it's all like a semi somber retrospective where he's like looking pat, like lo- looking back at at the films, and you you hear that voice, and he's just like. I was playing Ernest, but that's not who I was. 
And it, the, the, the whole the whole time you find out that Ernest or Jim Varney was actually multi-layer doing it, and way before he was ever cast in Toy Story, Jim Varney decided a slinky dog was his ultimate personification. So all of this character acting that he did for the Ernest movies was actually him thinking and getting into the headspace of a slinky dog. Years later, when he was cast in Toy Story, he was shocked and found that he had to instead character act as Ernest to get into the head of a slinky dog. There it is. Plot twist. Was the role an element of me, or was I an element of the role? <laughs> know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> well, that, that wraps up the games portion of our, of, of our show today. Uh, what's up next, Josh? Well, hey, uh, next is Where Are They Now? The rating and the trivia. <laughs> so, uh, I'll give you guys a minute to see if there's any trivia you wanted to talk about. I will go through the uh, Where Are They Now? Which is also the Who Are They? I, uh, I definitely do have a little bit of trivia for uh, for this film. Okay. Did, did you know that Jim Varney was a chain smoker? I did not. <laughs> Jim Varney's a chain smoker, apparently. So between takes, they're like he's off can like just like going, 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 going. That explains the voice, I guess. Uh, yeah. That's uh, um, me and Haley when we were doing our earnest research this morning after having fast food fresh in our mind. We are looking up fun earnest facts. Cool. <laughs> and I guess that's a fun one. <laughs> that is a fun one. If a sad one, because of his untimely passing. Yes. I, guess. <laughs> I, th- I think there is a correlation there. <laughs> All right. So we mentioned earlier that some of the people would look a little familiar, as in they might look like other people. Uh, Sam, the leading lady, was played by Tracy Griffith, uh, who was the sister of Melanie Griffith. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> And the the hoity-toity sorority chick uh, was Pamela Springsteen, who is the sister of Bruce Springsteen. Like we built this city? No. No, oh, that's uh, Star. No, I'm sorry, that's Star. <laughs> You're right. Uh, what was the Bruce Springsteen one? Help me out. Born, Born in the USA. USA. Yes. The- they sound alike. I, I love how I love how frequently Aura likes to comment on the fact that he could beat Shazam. You know that famous you know that famous Bruce Bruce Springsteen talk. I could beat Shazam. We, Let's do it right now. We Give built this me. city on adult contemporary rock. And you know the famous Bruce Springsteen song, "Blinded by the Light." Uh, fuck you and fuck you, biscuit. You're cool. I'm out. I, really, I watched Thor Ragnarok the other day and I was really impressed by that Bruce Springsteen song, "Immigrants." <laughs> Is really well used. <laughs> did you did you see that new uh, Bruce Springsteen biopic movie they did, Bohemian Rhapsody? <laughs> My favorite Bruce Springsteen song has to be uh, "Fucking the Flash Gordon Theme." I, th- I think my favorite Bruce Springsteen song would be if he did the the Randy Newman short people. But we're staring at us, but he is so visibly trying not to enjoy this as much as my, we are. My favorite Bruce Springsteen song is his his uh, war protest song, "Man in Black." 
Diegetically, I left. I'm I'm already in my car and driving home. So oh man, we we can keep going. <laughs> we can do a whole podcast of these. Oh man. Oh god, that was good. Yeah. Thank I, you for those treasures. All right. I got I got one, I got you. one more. My favorite is god my damn it. <laughs> my, my favorite Bruce Springsteen song is the harder, better, faster, stronger that Kanye West sampled. <laughs> That one was good, actually. Thank you. That's why I was yeah. like, I knew I need, I need to get this one in. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any oh. other facts, Josh? <laughs> I do. Before I slam the door in your face. <laughs> uh, character actor Michael J. Pollard from uh, Bonnie and Clyde and Tango and Cash, uh, and with his history of, of films with two names in the title, uh, <laughs> also had a significant supporting role as Bud, who's the chef and mechanic. Uh, Kevin McCarthy from Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Blake Clark, uh, who's in a bunch of Adam Sandler films, and J. Don Ferguson from Maximum Overdrive, the coke-fueled uh, Stephen King film, also appear. Wow. Yeah, these are these are all of the people that immediately upon seeing them, if you since they're it's a little older movie, you, you squint a little bit, but you can yeah. immediately recognize them from lots of other small parts, too. You're like, wasn't that a guy on an episode of Rockford Files? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's named Bruce Springsteen. Much of the casting crew, uh, including director Michael A. Simpson... Oh, I missed it. I was... <laughs> oh, was damn it. I hate you. Uh, so Michael A. Simpson and Pamela Springsteen, along with a lot of the other cast and crew, worked on the semi-official sequel, Sleepaway Camp 2 Unhappy Campers, and also worked with Tracy Griffith in Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. Uh, the first Sleepaway oh, Camp was an up all night My movie. favorite Bruce Springsteen song. It, it is, isn't it? It's a pretty good one. <laughs> Named after a Bruce Springsteen song. So, the, the first Sleepaway Camp was an up all night movie. The others I don't think were. Uh, we'll definitely talk more about the history of the sequels and because and, weird things happened with the sequels to that film. That's the... You have like a whole like ream of information on that. Like, well, there was there's a lot that happened there, with that one. As, as I recall, like in our pre-show uh, discussions, you're loaded to the bear with uh, when we do the sleepaway camp movie. <laughs> it has an interesting production history, yeah. and that's why we do uh-huh. what we do. All right, uh, so. Uh, Michael A. Simpson continues to work today occasionally. Uh, he has a producer credit from 2015 for Kidnapping Mr. Heineken hey. uh, and 2018's Candy Jar. Hmm. Uh, Pamela Springsteen works as a photographer and Tracy Griffith is a sushi chef and musician. Sushi chef. Pamela decided sushi, she knew which uh, side of the camera she would like to continue to be on. It's... No comment. <laughs> um, yeah. So, now time for our rating uh, on whatever scale we want out of five. I am giving this film uh, one and a half tabs of Roy Hypnol. <laughs> uh, it's offensive uh, in, in the way that some of these films are offensive, uh, but it's also really fucking boring. It takes forever to get going, and, and once it gets going, it won't fucking commit to its bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just, it's uh, it, it's more interesting to talk about than to watch. Yeah. Like, watching it, because yesterday I watched this one and a half times, and Jesus, <laughs> 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 fucking drags. <laughs> like, that, that second half, like, oh, Jesus, it's it, so long. Yeah. 
so many little details that you're just like, I don't care. Hurry the montage up. Well, How about you guys? Well, like I said, it has that overly complicated, like... Like, they could just jump straight to the fact that they, they like, okay. they know some lab people, and, like, we, you know, like, we're putting yeah. some stuff in the burgers. You could mm-hmm. combine. Like, he could go to the, the priapism test lab, like, that night with the girls, and he could be scammy with the girls so that you find out that he's a scammer, and that can be the reason he gets expelled. And also, while they're at the lab, they could find out that they're testing a, instead of just being a priapism study, they're testing a... A cure for impotence, and like sure. the lady gets a whiff of it and like jumps on the dude. And they and he asks, he calls them the next day. Careful, Josh, you know? you're editing Fucking, this movie for them. Within five minutes, you can establish all of those plot points, yeah, yeah. And then they can have to go meet Sam instead of taking all like full 50 minutes to get there, yeah. Because that was the but I just talked about covered at least 15 20 minutes of the movie, yeah. So uh, I will uh, I will rate mine uh, two stars or two uh, oh I'm sorry two uh, <laughs> two stars uh, sisters two stars two uh, two burger pickles all right <laughs> I don't know I, uh, the uh, the movie for me uh, was again slow uh, but. I, I go I'll go a little higher than Josh because there is a high degree of relatability uh, relatability for me in the beginning of this movie when uh, <laughs> when when well when the jig is up man <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like all of a sudden like it's like are you confessing <laughs> no 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 you when you're this podcast when you, exhibit A when you're getting kicked out of school I yeah, know I know what you mean getting kicked out of school and having to find a new scam in the real world uh, I had a close call with my grift being up recently and let me tell you like there are there are certain things that uh you know become uh real uh, real solutions to problems if you're whoa hello i'm talking a lot no you're no, not the cat is lying <laughs> oh i wondered what Keyboard. was going on and it's scrolling um I think we're... Yeah, we're still good. We still got everything. Yeah, just don't... <laughs> I saw that and I was like, should I say something? Mm-hmm. I'll check it in the edit, but it's probably okay. I think we're good, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, what's your rating? Oh, God. Um, again, uh, I feel like my rating always gets an extra star just because I watch it with other people. And it's... <laughs> that it's, helps. It's you definitely... Can, like you almost, rate it what you want to rate it. Yeah, all of these movies are more of an experience, really, than movies. Uh, oh God, I'd... I give I give it a two. I give it a two. Uh, you are a terrible person. You leave my house. <laughs> you rape apologist. No, yeah. rate it whatever you want to rate it. I give it. Uh, I give it two condimentless burgers out of five. Yeah. And uh, it, my one of my stars is only is just Jim Varney. Like you can find mm. the movie on YouTube. Just cut around until you find the scenes with this guy in the white suit. Some of his lines really are fantastic. You could supercut this movie with just the Jim. Yeah, the, 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 you would the, not miss anything good. God, the bit with the with the with the mechanical horse. Like, yeah, you did. You pointed it out last night where oh, he still needs other people's quarters to run the mechanical yeah. horse. He has yes. a mechanical horse in his office that he rides while he's talking with his underling. Yeah, and he and he needs to throw quarters in it to make it work. And he's riding it right in front of like a cigar store Indian, like a wooden. Yeah. Indian. <laughs> He doesn't. He he has this in his office, but he doesn't either keep a stash of quarters near 
nearby or just like rig the machine. Also, the scene where he's uh, he's talking to the guy that's in all the Adam Sandler movies and he uh, makes a motion across his throat that definitely reads as kill the person, but he says, we might have to, you know, he does the gesture and then pulls out a handkerchief and daps his head and says, offer more money. And it, so, it, like, again, just the, like, subversion of your expectations is great. And then... And at the end, there's, like, cut scenes with him doing the different ads. Yeah, the different commercials, which is also like, great. Like, like the one where he's like, Mama makes all the desserts and his mother is there. And I guess the idea is that she makes the desserts for all his restaurants. Uh, and she's just like, oh. <laughs> she's passing out from exhaustion. Yeah. That and in the camera work was, was okay for a couple of shots. That There's, like, one specific one that sticks out in my mind. But it is it is one shining gem in the, the sea of turds of mediocrity that's the rest of the movie. Nope. So that gives us a 5.5 out of 15 for this uh, not very good movie. <laughs> There's, there is a reason the cost of admission is free. Is it <laughs> one YouTube link away? Hey, it is Future Josh back once again with the social media deets that I promised y'all at the top of the show. You can catch all of the That Podcast Productions podcasts over at thatpodcastproductions.fireside.fm. You can also follow us through our Facebook group, which is the That Podcast Stays Up All Night Slumber Party. That's it for now, but there should be both an Instagram on the grams, as I've heard it called, and also a Twitter coming up before too long. There may also be an email coming. Stay tuned. For our next show, we're going to answer the age-old question. Can a movie be a bracing look at the homeless epidemic in 80s Hollywood while still showing off pretend teen titty? Uh, Find out on That Podcast Stays Up All Night because we're gross. Uh, But we will have a girl for that one, so it's okay. That makes it all right, right? Uh, That just about does it for the That Podcast Stays Up All Night podcast. In more ways than one. (laughs) We're fired, huh? (laughs) Until next time, keep your burgers hot and your special sauce doused in illegal mind control chemicals. Am I supposed to be seeing these tracers, guys?